All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. We really appreciate you joining us. I'm in my normal spot in my wife's closet, trying to be quiet because the kids are asleep. Tim, you're in a new, are you in a new space. Where are you? I'm in a hotel room in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, just got here, actually, like literally, I don't know, a half hour ago. Um, just visiting. I have a new job at a new company. Started a month ago, and it's based in Fairfax. So I'm here for the week to go meet some people and and shake some hands and all that. And uh, yeah, it's fun. That sounds terrific. Can you tell our listeners what you did in the airport for a four-hour layover? I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I had a four-hour layover in Detroit, and I was like, well, what am I going to do for four hours? I can't just sit at the gate or whatever. So I went to Chili's and had margaritas, and I had chips and queso, and and just... uh, (laughs) You had yourself a little afternoon. Yeah, it was great. And then by the time I had my flight, I passed right out on the plane. It was great. It was perfect. <laughs> he walked by you. What happened to him? Margaritas at Chili's. I see it a thousand times. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, while you were sleeping, Tim, on the plane and drinking margaritas at Chili's, there's been some trades that have been happening. Some big ones. It's been a very active last few hours. Yeah, some big ones, you should say. The latest one that just came through the wire was Nick Felino. Friend of the show's brother, Marcus Foligno. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> is that is that something? Is that a thing? Friend of the uh, show's yeah. uh, is uh, sibling. So, Toronto. What did you did you expect Toronto to dip their toe in that much to go out and get a Nick Foligno that big of a name? I didn't. We talked about this the other day. I, I kind of said like their their job is maybe adding a little piece here or there, mostly focusing on staying healthy. But Felino, I love that he's such a good player, and, I, and he's exactly what they needed to. Just like he's tough, he's strong, he's he's responsible on both sides of the ice. He's, he can score too. Not afraid to drop the gloves. He's a big body. He's I, I mean, you played against him. I imagine he's not a very fun guy to play against. He can play any of the positions. He can play either wing. He can play center. I'm guessing he's going to slot in the third line. And he's got that win now mentality. He's, he tweeted earlier, or maybe he was in a press conference, talked about how a lot of the the least guys have already reached out to him. Um, and you can tell like how, how serious and how focused they are. And that's exactly what he wants right now. So I think he's going to be big for them. Yeah. What's kind of cool is he's getting traded there. Riley uh, Nash just got traded there a few days ago. So his teammate with Columbus, he's going to have some familiarity there. Yep. Another guy he's reuniting with is Jason Spezza. 
which is kind of cool. Oh, he, yeah. he played with Spezza in Ottawa when he first got drafted, so he's familiar with Spezza. He was the captain on Ottawa when uh, Foligno broke in, so he knows some guys on the team. That always helps. And you skate with these guys in the summer, and when you – like, gosh, he's been in the league for over 10 years, so he knows these guys around the way. So he, he, he obviously will see some familiar faces, but I think Kyle Dubas just knocked us out of the park. This is such a smart get by him. He didn't try to overthink things. He saw his team. He saw exactly what he needed. He doesn't go out and try to get more scoring. He's got one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. His defense has been playing okay. Where they are lacking is on the PK and on a really reliable guy who you can stick out there at the end of the game because – to be honest, Toronto's going to have the lead in a lot of games coming down to the wire. And you need a guy who can go on the ice, can take a face-off in the defensive zone when the other team's pulled their goalies, and you can just plug him in there and say, you know what, we trust you. Win the draw, get it out, block a shot, do the dirty things, be responsible, stay on your guy, play your position correctly, and let's finish up this game. And Nick Foligno, that's his bread and butter. He's not the same player he was five, six years ago where he's putting up 50, 60 points. You know, he's lost a little bit on that part of his game, but he's still a very valuable player. And when you get down in the playoffs in the third, fourth round, the Stanley Cups, Stanley Cup finals, like you need guys like that. And if you throw him on your third line, like you said, that's a pretty impressive guy to throw on your third line to have Nick Foligno there to anchor the core. Like that's, I love this move by Kyle Dubas. I really, really do. He didn't just go out there and be flashy and go and try to get a Taylor Hall or someone like really, really, you know, flashy and goal score and this and that. He played it simple and gave up a first rounder, which is going to be a really low first round pick next year. And he went out and got a really good player when he had zero cap space. Like how smart is this guy? It's, it's an unbelievable move for them. And that, I mean, I, I gotta imagine, like, like you said, they already have all the goal scoring they need. So they're te- they're gonna tell Felino, like, listen, we, you, we, you're not here to score goals. Like, play the other side of the game. That's what you need. Anything offensively is just icing on the cake, which I'm sure is just music to his ears. Take some of that pressure off of him. Take some of the defensive and that end of game pressure, like you mentioned, off the off the other guys. And don't forget, this is the captain uh, of the Blue Jackets who. Uh, came with just two huge underdog series win the last couple of years. Obviously, the sweep of Tampa Bay two years ago, and they beat uh, Toronto last year, you know? So, like, he's exactly what they need, that kind of gritty underdog leadership. Um, I love this move. I guess, John, the, the, the first-round pick, some people are kind of saying, geez, that's out of a lot. We don't even know if Taylor Hall's worth the first, and now Nick Foligno's worth the first. Do you think they overpaid a little bit? Um, not really. Someone was going to pay that price tag because you kind of go out and you get what you need and the market sets itself and obviously Columbus had suitors for Nick Foligno he's exactly the type of player like I just said that teams want in the playoffs and Toronto looked at their lineup I don't think their third line has been working out like they wanted to the Thornton Spezza Wayne Simmons that that connection it's not really clicking with I don't know I, I know they've had Kerfoot on that line Spezza and Thornton Spezza's they, playing well yeah, but that third, it, it, they haven't been clicking. Thornton hasn't been the same player he was early in the year when he was on the Marners-Matthew line. He is very much showing his age. So maybe they saw that and they just said, listen, we need to make a change. We got to get someone in there to inject some life. And he, he's not going to wait. I, I love this move. You, do, you don't see GMs do this very often who are in first place. I think the reason this is, looks even better is because of what Tampa Bay did last year. Tampa Bay had a stud offense. They had an unbelievable top six, and they went out and they got some guys who were just core meat and potato type of players. They got Blake Coleman. They got Barkley Goudreau. They just stuck them in their lineup, and those two guys completely transformed their whole team. 
we talked about him a ton last year during the playoff run. And I just think Dubas saw, Dubas saw that, and he's like, listen, I'm not going to be left out in the rain again. Like, we got to go out and get a guy who can really handle his business and handle our business and really help our team. So I love this move. I think it's a win-win. Yeah, first rounder is a first rounder. But at the end of the day, if you're staring at a banner in the rafters, are you really caring if you're not picking in the first round? I don't think so. No, and you got to love this if you're the Blue Jackets too, getting a first-round pick. That's the second one they picked up in a couple of days because they got a first round for David Savard over the weekend as well. Exactly. We just talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team who I didn't even go into during the, the trade deadline prep because we were, we were just like, no, they're not going to do anything. They have zero calories, gallery, salary cap space. They have a stud team. They're not going to do anything. Their defense is set. Their forwards are set. They're going to get Kucherov back. Unbeknownst to us, they were dealing and wheeling and dealing, and they pick up the most valuable defenseman on the market, David Savard, arguably another guy who, much like Nick Foligno, meat and potatoes, does all the dirty stuff, gets the job done. A guy at the end of the game, when they're up by one, pull the goalie, you're going to stick him and Hedman on the ice. They're absolute mooses in front of the net. Vasilevsky is going to see the puck. These guys are going to clear it out, and they're going to get the puck out. They're going to eat pucks, and it's great for their team. I It, it always makes me think it's like okay do gms just not see what's going on like if i if i'm the gm of, of a team competing with tampa bay or toronto do i not call these teams to try to get a nick felino or a david savard like how how does tampa bay and toronto these two teams are well toronto's in first place tampa bay is the biggest contender in that division how do they how do these other gms let these teams do this i don't understand can you can you break that down for me? I don't either. Right now, the Bruins are losing six nothing to Washington, and they're probably gonna. You know what they're gonna do tomorrow? They're gonna go trade for like Lee Stemniak or like the, the the equivalent of that in today's game. It's just like it doesn't make any sense how the rich teams keep getting richer, and it's like, yeah, they give away their first because they know what it takes to win, and so many teams are afraid to to bite that bullet, and then they find themselves on the outside looking in in the, in the second, third, fourth, you know, final rounds of this playoff uh, season. So. Doesn't make sense. It's too bad. Obviously, huge pickups for both of these teams. I mean, D- David Savar, we've talked about him quite a bit. He loves blocking shots. He moves bodies, like you said. It feels a little bit like Tampa Bay Adam Bogosian last year. You know, maybe better. I would probably take David Savard over him. Um, and I, I want to kind of ask, too, we've seen a lot of these big trades are turning into three-way deals where a team like the San Jose Shark, Detroit Red Wings are picking up I mean, I guess I don't really know how, how it works, the business side of things, but I don't know if it has to do with the, the flat salary cap or teams are just a little bit nervous on taking on some money, so they're incentivizing other teams to take on some uh, some capital with a draft pick. How is, how is that working, John? So Toronto and Tampa Bay both had zero cap space. So they literally couldn't add a water boy to their, to their roster because you cannot add more money into the system. So if they want to pick up a player, they have to make sure other teams eat the salary cap. So Nick Foligno, I think, was making – just say he's making $5 million. I know he's making close to that. Maybe a tad bit more, I think, maybe 5-5. Five, five. So in order to sweeten the deal with Columbus, they have to give him a first rounder so they eat half of his salary. So maybe other teams were offering Columbus a second rounder. Toronto comes in and they say, hey, we'll give you a first rounder if you eat half of his salary. That takes care of that half. Well, now they got to find some other way to, to take care of that other 2.7 or whatever it is, million dollars, because they can't, they can't take that on for the rest of the year because there's still, you know, a 
what is it, a sixth of the season that has to be played, and you can't have more money than it's on the cap. So they call up San Jose, Dougie Wilson, you know, what can we do for you? Okay, how about this? You give us Nozen, who makes some money, who's not really doing anything for you, and we'll give you a fourth-round draft pick, and then you eat Felino's rest of his cap. Can you, can you help us out? So they're like, okay. San Jose gets to pick. They get rid of that nosing guy who's not doing anything with them, who's making some money. And then, boom, deal's done. Toronto pays absolutely no money for Nick Foligno. Absolutely nothing. They give out a first-rounder, they give out a fourth-rounder, and they get this nosing guy who they're just going to bury in the minors and pay him his salary. That's how it works. You saw the same thing with Savard. Detroit got worked into the, into the deal. <coughs> Excuse me. Tampa Bay sent Detroit a pick. Detroit picked up some of his salary cap, and that's how that deal got done. And you'll see that more often tomorrow because teams have zero cap. And that's what the luxury is. If you're a team right now who have some cap space, like a San Jose, like a Detroit, like a Chicago, these guys have some cap to kind of play with. They're going to get a lot of calls from these contending teams to say, hey, we'll throw you a second, third, fourth rounder if you eat a couple million bucks. And the teams, you know, sounds good. We'll take a cap pick and we'll pay two, three, four million bucks because it, it sounds bad when it's like, oh, well, they're, they're paying $3 million for the rest of the season. But the season's almost over. So there's only like, two more paychecks left. So they're really only paying like a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for us regular folks, but for, you know, an NHL team that sets a drop in the bucket. So it, it does kind of make sense for these teams to pick up a, pick up a little salary, gain a pick here and there. And that's the way it's going to be done, Tim, tomorrow. I think you'll see it a lot tomorrow. So it makes doing a deal maybe a little bit more difficult because you have to add that third team into the mix, but it's, it's definitely possible. And so far, we've seen a couple of teams do it. I, I've seen some uh, reports, too, of where the, the flat salary cap has got some managers a little gun-shy, or at least it's another whole thing you have to take into account. The other thing you have to take into account, and I don't know exactly how this factors into the trade, but they're saying that the fact that there's going to be some kind of the expansion draft for Seattle and some players, like, I think they're dangling, GMs are dangling some players that they probably will end up uh, making available to those teams anyway. So I think that's another whole factor that's, you know, that's pulling into – how the GMs are talking to each other, how they're planning for their summer and the off season, how they're kind of organizing the makeup of their roster. Like a guy like Jeff Skinner. <laughs> huh. yeah. The Sabres have been dangling that guy. All I've, I've heard nothing but just Kevin Adams, like begging people to take Jeff Skinner off of him, like doing everything but offering a first round draft pick and Jeff Skinner to a team just so they could take him because you're going to leave him exposed. Seattle, will they bite on a Jeff Skinner? Not a chance in the world. But, you know, it, it, there's a possibility. If you have to protect certain players and leave people open, maybe he's the only guy you can take if you're Seattle. So who knows? But, yeah, the whole expansion thing, it does, it does factor into this because if you're a team, you can only – what is it? I don't know what, the, what they're doing as far as forward and defense, the number of guys you can protect. But if you have a lot of good young defensemen, I think last time you could only protect four defensemen. If you have yep. five good defensemen and you know you're not going to be able to protect them all – you know Seattle's going to take them. You have to deal them because you're just going to lose them for nothing, which is – it's kind of – it kind of stinks because you do your due diligence and scout and draft and really build your team from the back end like you should, and then Seattle just comes in and poaches one of your good young players. So we'll see what happens. I know that was a factor when Vegas came into the league. GMs were wheeling and dealing at the deadline, and, and the draft I think is where you see a lot of that. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I think teams have smartened up since the whole Vegas expansion. So hopefully it's not as drastic as it was when Vegas came in. Cause Vegas just fleeced so many teams. Yeah, they, they did. They, George McPhee was just like wheeling and dealing. And he came out of that just looking like Teflon Don. It was unbelievable how good he looked. 
So a couple more moves happened over the weekend. The Avalanche picked up Devin Dubnik in exchange for defenseman Greg Pattern and a fifth-round pick. Uh, And just like you predicted in the trade deadline show the other day, they they added that backup goalie, which is what they needed. Because remember, Grubauer got hurt in the playoffs last year, and that really hurt them. Frank Cruz is a solid backup, but um, that really hurt their their chance to go on a deep run. So they, they weren't taking that chance again. Dubnik is three and nine on the year with a three at one eight goals against an eight ninety eight save percentage. So not too great, but he has been playing better as of late down the stretch for the Sharks. Where, where he goes, the Sharks have gone, and um, I could imagine that he'll he'll probably be he'll be a fine backup for them. And I don't think he'd see the ice in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, hopefully we never see him in the playoffs unless Colorado is getting shelled and they just throw him in there to save Grubauer some uh, legs. But yeah, it, it was expected. I, I did not expect them to get Dubnik. I don't think he. If something does happen to Grubauer and Colorado has to rely on Dubnik and he's the goalie he's been for the last few years, which is average to sub-average to mediocre, they're going to be kicking themselves. This is a Stanley Cup team. And I don't understand why you just don't throw a team a third or second round pick to get a quality backup goalie. You could have got a Jonathan Bernier for a fourth round pick. He's better than um, Devin Dubnik. I know Devin Dubnik made the all-star game. He's had this history. He was a really, really great goalie. There were better goaltenders on the market to go and get. So I just, you know, we knew they were going to get a goalie. I think there was better goaltenders out there that they could have gotten, but it was expected. You know, I, I just think if something does happen, like I said, and they have to rely on Dubnik, not, not a, I'm not too confident in him if he's my goalie, if I'm Colorado. That's all I got to say. I think Frank Coor is just, or Frank Coos, whatever his name is, is yep. just as good as Dubnik, if not better. Anyways, another pick, our trade that we, we actually predicted, you know, Ekblad got hurt in Florida. They had to put someone in there to fill his ice, fill his position, take up some of those minutes. Brandon Montour, I mentioned him right at the end of the show, played in Buffalo, good defenseman. You know, not a bad defenseman. <laughs> Ekblad's got big shoes to fill. Like, he, he's not exactly a guy who's, you know, just a Joe Schmo. He's not a Norris contending defenseman, but he's a good, solid defenseman. He was the first overall pick for a reason a few years back. Does this make a difference to, to Florida? Like, does, does this even help them a little bit? Uh, like, uh, I just A little, think, yeah. A little, because you need, we talk about it, you need, you got to add defense because guys always get hurt. You're going to end up, those seventh, eighth defensemen on your roster are going to end up playing some important minutes for you down the stretch if you go on a run. So Brandon Montour, he's probably not even that. I imagine he's going to be in their top six. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't hurt him. It's nothing to really get excited about. And actually, the advanced stats say he's one of the worst defensemen in the league this year. <laughs> oh, but, good. and you're, you're talking about Buffalo, a team that, you know, couldn't score out of a paper bag. So, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he does well for them. And in Florida still has $3 million just under that in cap space. So they could be making another deal before this deadline tomorrow. Listen, we got to stop the Buffalo hate because they have just been on fire lately in their last five. I think they've won two of them, Tim, maybe even three. They beat the flyers tonight, five to three. I'll tell you what, that division, nobody wants that fourth seed. The Flyers don't want it, and the Bruins don't want it. Like they just, uh, they live. The Rangers want it. The Rangers want it, but those two, the, the Bruins and the Flyers, have just been atrocious the last month of the season. Like yeah. neither of them want to make the playoffs. It's so funny. If the Rangers make the playoffs, I'm changing my Islanders pick. I'm going all in on the Rangers to win the cup. 
Just calling it now, calling it right now. Mike Richter is going to come out of retirement and lead them to glory. But anyways, any other trades of note we should talk about, Timbo? I would just say one more uh, of note is John Merrill. Montreal acquired him today for a fifth-round pick and a prospect, Hayden Verbeek. I actually like Merrill. I remember kind of following him when he was coming up with the, with the World Juniors for Team USA and all that. He played for the University of Michigan. I think he's a great value. He only makes 925K. He's a pending UFA, so no real risk there. Um, and he's been lo- one of Detroit's better D-men this year. He's not big. I think he's under six feet, in fact. But he logs the heavy minutes, almost 20 minutes a night, um, can, can basically be a great depth addition to them. And um, I think Montreal, like you said, like it doesn't hurt to add some talented defensemen to your, to your depth chart heading into the playoff run. Agreed. Good defenseman. Hopefully he's a guy who doesn't have to play for them, in all honesty. He's a good little player, yeah. but, you know, it's a good guy to have as your seven, eighth guy. You never know. You might, mean, you might need him. You might not. But the more depth, the better, because in the playoffs – this series extend, you're going to get hurt, you're going to have injuries, you're going to see guys taking runs at other guys, so it's good to have an extra body. Montreal, probably not going to make it out of the first round. They love just collecting assets. Who knows? But good for them. All right, now let's just jump on the rumor mill real quick, Tim May. What do you think about Ryan or Getzlaff? Do you think he's going to go anywhere? Most likely not. Elliot Friedman talked about Montreal inquiring on him. Uh, but it sounds like he's not going to be going anywhere at the deadline. I think he's got pretty much, if not full control, a pretty hefty uh, no-move clause in his contract. So I bet he's kind of – I bet, like I said the other day, his list of teams is very short, and I don't really think he's interested in going somewhere just for the sake of it. All right, and then the big, the big dog who is, still hasn't gone anywhere is Taylor Hall. My prediction of him going to Edmonton seems to be debunked. Edmonton's not in on him, which I don't understand why. What are you hearing for Taylor Hall? Uh, so Chris Johnson on headlines said the Islanders were actually pretty close to acquiring him earlier this week, a.k.a. before the Palmarians Ajax deal. Um, they're still potentially interested in him, but there's a lot of teams lurking around. Uh, Emily Kaplan from ESPN said he will get traded, but Buffalo won't get it first. Uh, which is really interesting, unless they maybe ate a ton of his cap. And then just a little while ago, Frank Saravalli said that three teams are in the mix for Taylor Hall. would require a third team, like we've seen in these other deals, probably the Sharks, he said. And the Bruins are one of those three teams. So that's a good <laughs> thing to see for them. But again, what are you getting with Taylor Hall? He's probably the biggest question mark. Highest risk and highest reward. On you know, I, I don't think there's anyone on the – on the trading block, including the guys who have already been traded, who has a higher potentially re- to reward you than Taylor Hall, right? This, like, yeah. You know what you're getting with Zajac and Palmieri and Felino, and, and that floor is much higher, but in terms of upside, Hall is still the guy. Yeah, it's a high risk, high reward. If, if you get him and he clicks with a couple guys and they form just like an unbelievable line, then you're getting an MVP player who can carry the team and who's just an absolutely beast with the puck he's a strong kid he can fly like he's a very talented cat and I don't know why it's not working out in Buffalo but if you go to a place and you get a Taylor Hall who just really really enjoys playing with the players that he's playing with like he's a really good player and I will say this I I stuck my foot in my mouth with the the Galchenyuk kind of comment but he is actually playing really well in Toronto right now he's he's slotted in with Tavares and Nylander they've been one of the best lines in the NHL for the last few weeks. So who knows? Maybe Taylor Hall can find some magic wherever he goes and he turns into the MVP we knew a few years back. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, another some more rumors. We were just talking about the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. Nobody wants to win. 
The Philadelphia Flyers, Tim, are quietly shopping Nolan Patrick. Their first overall pick, what was it, three years ago? Four years yeah, ago? four. He was the number two overall, I believe. What is going to happen with Philadelphia? What do you think Chuck Fletcher is going to do? He's your GM there. He was my GM in Minnesota. He's, he's a somewhat conservative guy, but if he's very smart. If he sees the writings on the wall, does he just sell everybody? Because they do have some assets. I'm sure lots of teams really, really like to get their hands on. What do you think Philadelphia will do at the deadline tomorrow? I can't see them being too – I can't see them doing too much one way or the other. I, I mean, they're still in that rush for the playoffs. Like, they're still in the hunt. They're only a couple points back. But it's not just – I mean, statistically, the odds are not in their favor. They've got maybe four or six points behind the Bruins, and the Bruins have three, maybe four games in hand. So it's really not looking good for them, especially considering they lost to the Bruins the other night, and then they lost to Buffalo today. So it's not just the fact that it's statistically it's, it's, they're at a disadvantage. It's like they're not hungry for it. They don't they're want it. They're playing terrible hockey. Right. Um, so no impact that they are shopping. In fact, Nick, Nick Kiprios, an NHL insider said on his show that they're shopping him hard. Um, so I can imagine he's not really the player that I don't know if I'm the flyers, he's the guy I'm holding on to and I'm shipping off like a Voracek or, uh, I'm not Giroux or, or Couturier, but maybe some of these other guys, maybe uh Reemsdyke, they have Couturier, yeah. they have Konecki, they have Kevin Hayes. Like they have some valuable pieces there. That Hayes, would yeah. like to have. So I don't know. I, I, I know these guys make a lot of money, but like we saw with the deal for Felino, you can move some money around. You can get some first-round draft picks for these players, especially in this market where there's not a lot of high-end talent out there. So if you dangle a Claude Giroux or a Voracek or a Kevin Hayes or a Van, Re- Van's, Van Reemsdyke, gosh, that's a hard name to say, isn't it? Coming on tomorrow. Is he coming on tomorrow? He said he would. I, I skate with his brother, Trevor. I probably skate with him too. I'm not good with names and faces. <laughs> yeah. I bet you I've skated with him a few times, but anyways, if I'm the flyers GM, you gotta, you gotta sell much like the Bruins GM, much like Calgary flames GM. You got to put yourself in a position for next year that you're going to have a different set of eyes on the ice. And di- like, you can't just roll out the same crew that you've been rolling out for the last eight to 10 years and expect something different. I just don't understand why they just, Try to not blow it up. Trade Claude Giroux. Trade him. That's blowing it up. He's their captain. No, they have some good young players who they can rally around if they get rid of this guy. But you gotta you gotta switch it up. This mixture that they've been drinking for the last five to seven years is not working. Do you remember how um, Giroux didn't really break out until Richards and Carter were traded? And that was yep. like, and because he, he was kind of a flailing prospect. He wasn't really, and then all of a sudden he had the, the, the room to grow and he flourished. I wonder if Nolan Patrick's in a similar situation where if Giroux is gone, he steps up and he's the guy in a matter of less than a year. You never know. You never know until you give him a chance. I, I just think it's not working. Carter Hart has just had a terrible season. Ugh. Like Voracek and Giroux, they're, they're decent players. They're a point a game guy. You know, they're, they're still very valuable. You can go out and get some pretty good assets for these two guys. I don't see them doing it, but it would be nice for a team just once. Just, just don't, don't think you're better than you are, you know? I would, love, gonna, you uh, would love... You would love what? The, the Bruins got Voracek. Put him on Krejci's line, the check connection. Oh, my gosh. It still wouldn't make a difference for the Bruins because they're going to lose in the first round. They're going to play the Islanders or they're going to play Washington, and they're just going to get bombed. They don't have a goaltender. I think that's very apparent. Darth Vader. No defense. No defense, no goalie. They have one good line. That's all the Bruins have. 
So it's you know how the, the Bruins, now that Chara and, and uh, Krug are gone, and they had McAvoy, Carlo, Kevin Miller, like those are the guys. Those guys yeah. are all hurt. Yeah. Their, their seventh defenseman is now their best defenseman. They're skating at an AHL team out there against Washington. Like Stephen Camper's on their second pairing. Like it's, it's not good. Well, it's very apparent. That's why they're getting blown out 7-1 to one at this point. And there's still seven minutes left in the third period. I have one more stat I want to share with you before we wrap up here tonight. Share it. You know, for all the for all we've been talking about Austin Matthews, how incredible he is, and I'm not knocking. Obviously, sorry, Tim. Eight to one. <laughs> We're not talking about the Bruins right now, John. Sorry, um, Matthews. Right. So, like the second coming, he's 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 so good, incredible player, and yeah, he's scoring up these incredible goals. But John, do you know if you had to guess over the last 82 games, what do you think is his points have been of the last full season of regular season 82 games boston matthews yes 112 98 like for all this chatter and about how incredible he is and he's scoring goals like don't get me wrong he's arguably the best player in the league but he's not even putting up 100 points over the last 82 games i think we need to pump the brakes a little bit or at least just like get our bearings a little bit and like and not get caught up in this hype like he's I know 100 points is a lot harder than it was five or 10 years ago, but like, come on, 98 points over the last 82 games. He is not, we've probably had a dozen guys get 100 points in the last three years. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. let's, let's slow down a little bit. I wonder why he gets all this hype and all this kind of media, but is it just because he plays in Toronto? I would imagine. That's a big part of it. It's the goals too. Like he's a very goal heavy player. So if you look at the goals and not just overall points, like he's, he's, he's the only guy in the last five years who has 30 goals every season, for example. Yeah. Ovi will be there by the end of this year, but still like he's, he's, and, and actually the argument right now is, is he the best Maple Leafs player of all time? Easy. That. I, not my argument. I don't. I don't think. I'm not ready to say that. I think Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore and Sundin would have something to say about that argument. But Daryl uh, Sittler, like, there's some good Bjorn Salming. There's some good Leaf players. That's that's. It's been thrown around. That's interesting. Well, l- listen. He's a good young player. They. He's a goal scorer, and it's a goal scorers league. So if if you're consistently going out there, and you're putting up forty to fifty goals a year, like you're you're a very good player. So I wonder how many guys got 100 points in the last few years. Like, we know Dryden Seidel did. We know McDavid did. I bet you Patrick Kane did it. Like Kucherov, McKinnon. Um, I don't think Ovechkin's done it in, recently. I'll, I'll look it up. But, you know, like, like Kucherov had 130 three years ago, two years ago. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's, let's slow down a little bit. And no one is in the same conversation as Matthews, which is funny because people think Austin Matthews. He's a great player. He's a superstar. That's yeah. interesting. That's a good stat. Let's just enjoy it. And let's not, we don't have to elevate it more than we need to, you know? But it's fun to elevate them. It's fun to get these conversations as well. Who's the best player in the NHL? And then when you actually dig into the stats, you're like, wow. It's more apparent how great Connor McDavid is. It oh, really my gosh. Yep. Like he, he really is head and shoulders above the next guy, which it just happens to be his teammate, Leon Dreinsidel. 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 Put an N in every time. Who cares? I don't honestly. It's never going to change. Well, you sound like your Boston accent ruins everything. You put R's in everything. John Scott. Anyways, Scott. You need to get some rest because you're going to go for a jog around the nation's capital tomorrow. Look at you. You got a fresh haircut. With a motorcade behind me. Did you moisturize this morning? Yeah. Every time I shower. What kind of moisturizer? I don't know. It's just like a men's moisturizer. Do you notice the difference if you don't use it? Yeah. Wrinkles, crow's, crow's feet? 
just dry skin. You should see my knees. They're so dry. It's like I can almost touch my bone. Moisturize, baby. I try it. My skin just repels it. I'm too manly. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anytime I yeah. put anything that's somewhat feminine near my body, it just it just explodes. You're a lost cause. Just too manly. Too much too much man in me. What can I say? Oh, wait, that sounded weird. <laughs> 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 On that note, everybody, I hope you guys had a good weekend and I hope you have a good Monday. We will talk to you soon. Recap the trade deadline. Apparently, we're having an interview with JVR. That'll be exciting. Lots to Lots to do this week. So anyways, stick with us. It's going to be a good one. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 